As you might notice, Sarah, my wife, looks a little down today because she's stuck with just me again. As she mentioned, our youngest son, Blaine, is off to Spain for a month for a, a program with his college. And it's not easy to have your youngest child, your baby, even if he's six foot five inches, <clears throat> uh, going far away. Uh, but this is the way it is nowadays. And it, it was probably always, in a way, been like this. It starts at a young age as children go this way and that. I can remember uh, when I would be watching our sons when their mom would be uh, out of the house and I would just have them, one of them focused on something when boom, the other one would be running off in some other direction, being drawn to something. I'd run over there, try to get him focused on something and boom, the other one would be running off in the other direction drawn to something. This is why Jesus uh, shares in our gospel lesson from the 18th chapter of Luke, let the children come to me. This is our basic calling, I think, in a way, for us as the church. And I've been thinking a lot about this as we are winding up Sunday school for the summer this week in the midst of all the other things tempting to draw children, in the midst of all the other things that are tempting to draw of us, all of us of any age, all of us children of God, Jesus calls out, let the children come to me. But like the disciples in our gospel lesson who are rebuked. There is so much in our lives doing its best to keep us from a closeness of God's love. Pride, ambition, violence, fear, even technology. We are restless in our desire to find the next thing, and it's probably getting even harder for every new generation. Now, this sense of restlessness has always been there. You know, the great philosopher Aristotle felt it in his own life. He wrote about it in his life as a young man in his uh, autobiographical confessions. He felt a restlessness to try to find peace in his life and finally recognized that God was the only thing that brought him that peace. And so he prayed, my heart is restless until I find my rest in thee. Later on, he wrote for all of us, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. But that's not easy. It takes community. It takes a community to support and guide us along the way. And we need to be there to help our children be shepherded along the twists and turns of life. God calls us to this task. It's a challenge given to all parents, and it's a challenge given to us as the family of God. God will do God's job what about us? How do we shepherd 
the children in our lives? How do we shepherd each other as children of God? You think about what it means to be a child. It's not certainly just about someone providing you a roof over your head or nutrition. In order to really have a full childhood, you have to know that you are loved. Too many people lose their childhood because they have not felt love. I once read a book, I think it was by John Guest, it was called Knowing You Are Loved, and it really was a simple truth about life. It was the fundamental truth of Christianity, getting past all the academic, all the intellectual stuff, all those things that sometimes try to make things overly complicated. What a world we would live in if we all knew in the midst of whatever fear, in the midst of any loneliness, in the midst of any uncertainty, if we knew that we were loved, if we knew that we are loved, if we knew that every person we walked by on the street, no matter what they looked like, no matter how they identified themselves, no matter their faith or their color or their perspective on life, that that was a loved child of God. How would that change the way we related to one another? This is the type of wisdom talked about in Proverbs in that first chapter we read from. It connects to how Jesus said we should receive the kingdom of God as a little child. This is when we begin to see the light of eternity that Jesus talks about in that short passage from Luke. When we keep life focused, when we keep life simple. You know, a childlike faith isn't immature, it isn't irrational. It is about placing ourselves in God's hands, like we used to place ourselves in our parents' hands. It's about a willingness to be dependent. It's about an understanding that we need a higher power to take on this journey of life. It's about needing a savior. It's from this foundation, from seeing that a child's growth and from learning that the growth for all of us only comes when we see beyond ourselves. I love the little reflection piece I put in from Sidney Harris when he wrote that the purpose of education in the top of your bullet, and the purpose of education is to turn our mirrors into windows. The purpose of education is to turn our mirrors into windows. When the scriptures talk about the fear of the Lord like we heard in that book of Proverbs this morning. That word fear comes from the Hebrew noun yira, Y-I-R-A-H. And that can mean dependent, I mean, that can mean reverence, that can mean respect. It's about reminding ourselves 
that wisdom and knowledge comes from beyond ourselves. We don't know everything. We can't be everything. I don't mean to downplay the word used here because there is an aspect of fear that's a part of the definition of that Hebrew word. But it's not that we should be scared of God. It is ourselves, the ease we get distracted, either through the belief in our own power or through the comfort that we find in apathy. That should be what scares us. This is why the fear of the Lord is the beginning of the type of knowledge, as we hear in the book of Proverbs, that leads to justice and to equity. Because the type of the fear of the Lord talked about in the book of Proverbs is about stopping seeing our life through a self-centered mirror and instead seeing beyond ourselves to the realities of the need in the world around us. To have reverence and respect with a higher power, although also reverence and respect for the other. So no matter what our age, our church needs to be about helping people grow in understanding and in wisdom. Are you thinking about your growth this morning? Because God is. I'm reminded of an old story, a tradition. I heard it again this past week. A legend that every blade of grass has above it its own spirit. that whispers to it, grow, grow. The spirit of the living God whispers that upon each of us, grow. Look into the eyes of a child and you can see that God, you can see God's call to grow. Sometimes when we experience the things we experience in our life as we get a little less young, we forget that look in our own eyes. The beauty of a loved child of God, we forget to hear that call, that whisper for us, grow. How do we grow? It's not all about just what happens in our minds. I was talking to someone this past week about cognitive behavioral therapy, which understands that learning is about thoughts, is this relationship between thoughts and feelings and behavior. It's not just about our minds. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, long before cognitive behavioral therapy, used to talk about something called praxis. He understood that you couldn't think, you couldn't study your way into a faithful life. That sometimes you just had to behave if you, as if you were faithful. You had to feel faithful. 
and you would regain your faith. We need to know that on days like today. Because if you only rely on your mind, when you face tragedies in your life, you need to experience the love that God has bestowed upon you and upon our world. You need to feel that. And you, if you have a hard time knowing it, behave as if you know it. Feel it. And you'll begin to know it again. John Wesley's first rule of holy living was care of our time. It was an understanding that we need to use holistically the time we've given intentionally to grow in body, mind, and spirit. That we need to invest in that time we've been blessed with, that it's not going to happen overnight. It's about a day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, life of faith. It's going to have its ups and its downs. It's going to have its individual crises and tragedy. It's going to have its societal struggle and challenge. But have hope. Have faith. Let others see that hope and faith. That's how you transform by that intentional day, day, day focus on a flower. That's how you change its life, and that's how we change our own lives. We don't want to be like that plant over there I noticed this morning. See that plant over there? That's a plant that does not have intentional love. <laughs> Back down there on the left side. We don't want to be a world, we don't want to be a people, we don't want to be a world where we let ourselves spin into that sort of death. We need to pour out the Holy Spirit on those around us. No matter what our age, God whispers to young and old, grow. I'm glad through this year that our church has been about helping the children of our church grow in their knowledge of God and, and, and God's love for them. And that they have a community that surrounds them and supports them and that will nurture them that will nourish them with the ever-flowing stream of the Holy Spirit. And I hope that you felt that as well. But it takes us being intentional about that for children and for ourselves. Maybe you took advantage of, of the number of offerings that we had this year, like Bible studies or, or, or small groups or adult forum or, or fellowship times, social times. Well, I know you did worship since you're here today. Worship times. Maybe you didn't take advantage of some of those other things as much as you might have hoped for. The good news, it's never too late because school, in a sense, is never out relative to our church, I hope. The opportunity for learning and for growing and to knowing that God calls us to be a place that invites and encourages and enables spiritual growth is always going to be a part of this place. Because you are called to be different tomorrow.
And that's the only way our world will be different tomorrow. Be restless. Restless to respond to God's whisper in your life. Be restless to find within yourself a love that nothing can take away from you. Know that love as sure as the breath you take. And rejoice in that love. Let others see it and know it for themselves. We need to be the hope for the world. in little ways and in big ways. In the midst of the brokenness, midst of our own brokenness and our world's brokenness. You have the whole love of God. Let it help you grow. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we hear the cries today. And it makes us restless. People search for answers in the midst of a world filled with questions. And we get restless. Allow us to find our rest in thee when we feel tired, we feel worn. Let us put ourselves in your hands Let us remember what we experienced, what we saw on TV with that pride parade yesterday, the cheers, the joy, the celebration of the beauty of all people. Let us be a part of that. Let us march on believing and trusting in that truth, that gospel truth. We know, dear God, that people come today with individual challenges and struggles and with burdens that feel great. Just let them feel your presence with them, the transforming power of that presence. Dear God, we know in Florida and around this world, There is grief. There is heartache. We just pray, dear God, that you will 
give strength in our weakness. Give hope in the struggle. Give peace. And let us work for that. We pray these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. We sing together a hymn that we need to sing today. We, need to, we don't sing it very often in church. But we need to sing it today. And I'm glad I chose this hymn. Uh, because I know the children would know it. And again, like I said before, sometimes we forget the words of this hymn. Maybe we never forget the words, but we don't get to sing it out loud as often as we should. And so we're going to stand and sing together on page 191 of your red hymnal. Jesus loves me, this I know.